Hey everybody, all week this week, we're actually going to be playing for you our favorite episodes from all of the different podcast series that we have at the North Star. And if you didn't know it, The Breakdown is not our only podcast series. We have a series called Woke at Work, one called Married to the Movement, The Momentum Advisor Show that you're about to hear from now, America the Voiceless, and Sick Empire. We have six different podcast series. And in this episode, one of my favorite episodes of The Momentum Advisor Show, uh, you're going to hear how this past year, African Americans have been receiving attention from corporations, politicians, and funding institutions in a way that's really never been seen before. And this was originally episode two of the Momentum Advisor Show, and it was entitled Opportunity Doesn't Knock. And the host, Tiffany and Allen, are going to teach listeners how to improve their financial situation in the current Black Lives Matter climate before all of these opportunities are taken off the table. I think you're going to love it. I learned so much from Tiffany and Allen and can't wait for you to hear and learn from them as well. The, the, the Breakdown. The breakdown. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Or any day, really. Any day. True, right? We're on a podcast now. So any day, happy any day that you turn this bad boy on. Happy omnipresence. Okay. Because we're everywhere. We're not everywhere. (laughs) All the time. Not necessarily, but I, I get where you're going with that. Um, we're on our second podcast. Yeah, last week was a lot of fun, huh? Was it? I mean, I a lot so. of. I, see, I wasn't sure if people were really into our stories. We did get a lot of feedback on Twitter. People reached out to us on social media and said, you know, very interesting story. Yeah. Our Twitter was popping last week. It was. I've also had a lot of people just say, yo, like, it was funny. I have a lot of friends who don't really listen, but they support the show. I had a lot of people actually listen. And send me, like, detailed feedback, like, yo, I really enjoyed the show. I never listened over three-plus years you've been on air, and I finally listened, and it was actually good. Does that offend you, like, when you know your friends are not listening? It's just kind of aggravating a little bit. Right. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's, like, a little bit annoying. It's not really offensive. So it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. You know, my friends have said in the past, like, hey, do you need me to listen? Is there something I should listen to? And I'm like, yeah, no, not really. And primarily, I don't want you asking me for advice. Like on friend time, when we're on friend time and we're chilling, eating snacks late at night, watching whatever, I don't want you to be like, yo, so about this 401k. Like, I don't want you to do that. And I feel like if you listen to the show, you're going to be prompted to ask me questions. But here's what bothers me. When someone's like, yo, congratulations on your show. I can't wait to listen. And then they never do. Like, just don't say anything. That's all I'm saying. They're just trying to be supportive. They're trying to be nice. I will say, one of my homegirls hit me up and she was like, yo, I'm listening to your podcast. Mind you, she hit me up at like before seven o'clock in the morning. And she was like, I'm up drinking coffee, listening to your podcast. And it's so funny. I'm having a really good time. I appreciated that. All right. I appreciate that. that. I appreciate that. But we are here and we have things to talk about. Yes. All the introductions are out of the way. So we are now ready you to get to work. You know who we are. At yeah. This if point. y'all don't know, you can listen to the last podcast. Start at episode one. Yeah. Edith. Um, have your cake or Edith too. Okay. So I really did do the research. And 
it wasn't about Edith. It didn't have no. anything. So if you did not listen to the first podcast, we talked about, you know, the saying, have your cake and eat it too. I was saying how I had heard that that is not the original saying to begin with and that it had something to do with something else. So I said I would research it and come back to you. So in other words, you were dead ass wrong. Dead ass wrong. So this is what I decided, though. Right. I have a compromise because I'm not sticking with have your cake and eat it, too, because I don't think that makes sense. Have your cake and eat his, too. That's not right. No. So that's I think terrible. that's a better saying. You can't have your cake and eat his, too. But you can. Women are doing that all the time. But we're not supposed to. No, that's a better saying to have your cake and eat it, too. So moving forward, I am going to be saying you can't have your cake and eat his, too. Yeah. Well, adopt it. Except you can't. But you can't. You're not supposed to. What are we talking about today? We are not talking about any of this. So what we are talking about today is that I think it's our time. Yeah. No, that's a fact. I think it's our time. And when we talk about our, I think we're talking about people of color and specifically black people. Yeah. Um, when it comes to what has been going on in 2020 from a variety of factors, um, you know, it's been very clear that people are paying attention to black people, to systemic racism to major issues that Black people have faced, I think now people have started to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So it's always been happening, right? I'm not saying that, you know, it's happening now more than ever or anything like that, but people, corporations, nonprofits, government, politicians, so on and so forth, are now actually starting to pay attention. And now that we have their attention, it is our time to take advantage of it. That's a fact. Yeah, I had a big fight with my friends over the past couple of days, because this election was very polarizing. Like, I'm really glad that we got ourselves a new president, but it wasn't an easy route. Like, it wasn't, like, th this was probably the most split I've ever seen the Black vote, where Trump was able to get a lot of people on his side. And it created a lot of division. And at the end of the day, I said to my friends, I am more excited about the future of Black America today than I ever have been in the history of my life. Yeah, and I think for me specifically, it's these next four years. I can't count the future in totality, but I think these next four years is our time to really show off and show out. And so if there are any opportunities, if there's anything you've been considering, entrepreneurship, promotion, career switching, launching something, uh, going for a corporate board, there's a number of things that as Black people, these next four years... It is our time to show out because honestly, I'm not sure if it's going to be available to us in the next presidency, whoever yeah. that president is. And I think in this and, and this, I don't know if this even has anything specifically to do with Joe Biden. I think it just has to do with new president and attention, the attention that black people are getting right now for a variety of reasons and the number of organizations who are saying that they want to try to make it right. Yeah, because what's happened recently, like prior to 2020, there's been an erosion of black issues. Like we've been swept up into the people of color category. Or just the the diversity, just yeah. the diversity term, which is, you know, been hijacked by so many other groups. Yeah, a fact. That's a fact. Like it's, that now refers to people from all over the world that just aren't white. So we have to tell a story. So... Alan had us sit down with, with a friend of his, and he was talking about... Oh, my. Though this was rough. Oh this my. was rough. And because it was Alan's friend, I, I had to stay quiet. Who may be listening. Hey, but, listen. But go on. It was a problem then. Um, and he was explaining to us, he's doing something really great, but he's doing it under the premise of diversity. And 
he basically redefined diversity. Mm. And so when we were asking, you know, he said, you know, he kept using the term diversity. And so we said, does that mean black people? And his response was not necessarily. It could be you live in a rural area. Wow. Or, you know, your parents, uh, you know, didn't have strong, you know, economics. And it was literally anything like or it could be your lactose intolerance. Yeah, literally. Like literally. You know what I mean? Medical like, diversity. You wear prescription eyeglasses. <laughs> and I was so But off- that's the problem. I was so offended. That's the problem. So hearing many, him say this. So many of these diversity initiatives have moved away, migrated away from black people. Right. Until 2020, you're hearing people say black lives matter. Right. And so, you know. The people of color, that whole swath of people of color. I was saying it too. Yeah. No, black. Black and people of color are not synonymous. Um, Diversity, diverse and black are not synonymous. Again, people have taken this diversity term. It could mean, you know, you have braces. You've got corrective (laughs) braces. Literally, Alan's homeboy was dead serious. And he was like, no, you know, we're, we're just, we're just redefining diversity. And I'm like, no, you're just ignoring Black people. Yeah. And this is a black person. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's not us that's doing this. It's other folks. Because it was funny. I'm I'm on a board and the board recently reviewed all of their investments on diversity. And I was shocked. Like the numbers came out sky high. Like they've got a ton of diverse managers. Then I looked in and I'm like, wait, there's not one black person on the list. But you claim that 80% of your money is managed by diverse owned organizations. So again, today you see people focusing on black issues in a way that I've never seen in my lifetime. And I appreciate it. And we got to ride this wave. Right. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. As it's happening, we're going to take full advantage of it. If people are saying that they want to step up, if they are saying they want to make things right, whether we believe them or not, we're going to hold their feet to the fire and we're going to use this as an opportunity for our own individual and collective come up. Speaking of opportunity, I have a strong belief that opportunity doesn't knock. It just lays there. There's a story I always tell, but it it's still holds true today. I was on the subway in New York City one day, walked onto a crowded subway train, and literally there was a $5 bill just laying on the ground. And everybody is looking at this dollar bill, this $5 bill. I walk up and put it in my pocket. And as I, as I picked it up, everybody's like, oh, man, I wish I had, you know, picked it up. I was looking right at it. And I'm like, yo, y'all jokers had a chance. Like, don't look at me. So that's how opportunity is. And like, that's the environment we're in today. Like folks are waiting for a revolution. They are waiting for, you know, manna from heaven. They are waiting for reparations, which I believe we deserve, but you know, I'm not waiting on them to, you know, make my economic situation better. We've got to realize that there's opportunity today that we've never had and we've got to seize it. So two ongoing themes that we always have is one, the revolution will not be televised. It will happen in your bank account. Facts. Um, and then second, the black agenda. I know so many people, especially during this election, were looking for a black agenda from some sort of political candidate. And we believe that the black agenda starts with us. We have yeah. no business looking outside of ourselves for a black agenda. We do want them to stop preventing us from being able to make progress. But the plan for progress has to start with ourselves. And it actually starts on this podcast. It is what we talk about every single week. We bring a black agenda every single week, starting today. And since we're talking about politics, I mean, we're the reason why we have a new president. Like, look Mm. what happened in South Carolina. It pushed Biden to the forefront. And that wave just rolled and rolled and rolled. And look at all the black women who helped to get this man into office. 
we went to the candidates with a black agenda as a as a collective group. Biden and Harris have adopted a black agenda. And again, you haven't really seen this sort of politics in a long time. Right. So let's just talk about some of the things that are happening currently right now. Right. So and by happening, people have made statements, people of power have made statements that these are agendas or things that are important to them and that they will focus on. Will they actually happen? Who knows? But again, we are going to make it easy and that we're going to take advantage of whatever is available. So one, advancing the economic mobility of blacks and closing the racial wealth gap and income gaps. I'm all about that. Yeah. Let's do it. A lot of corporations have been saying, listen, we're going to start to pay attention to these, um, again, income gaps, whether it's around women, whether it's about black people or diversity. And we are going to step up and we're going to we're going to have equal income. This is the first time I've ever now it's always been wrong, period. This is the first time that a number of corporations are taking the stance. They're making public statements. And so why not hold them accountable? You specifically at your job or whatever the situation is, if you are aware that you are making less than your counterpart, if you are aware that you are making less than the dude who sits across from you, this is the time for you to go to HR and hold their feet to the fire and have that conversation, especially if they are one of these large companies that have made some sort of statement. But even if they are not, it is very public. I think people are now agreeing to all be on the same page that income inequality is wrong. And so you can now, like now is the time to not be afraid. Now is the time that you will have some backup. You will have some support. The crazy thing about income equality is that it, it might be a small number on a, on a grand scale, but you've got to multiply that by 30, 40 years that you're going to be in the workforce. If it's Even if it's 10 grand, someone's making 70,000 and you're making 60,000, that 10 grand over the course of 30 years, that adds up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's super meaningful. And I think what this also is going to cause, it's going to cause you to have to find an ally, right? It's going to cause you to have to find an ally in, in one of your fellow staffers who may be white, who may be a man, and say, are you willing to share how much you make? I am in a position where I feel like I am not receiving equal income and I'm going to present it to HR or whoever, are you willing to share with me how much you make? That's very woke of you. That's very woke of me. I mean, that's very woke of them. But <laughs> I think we are oftentimes very afraid to talk about how much money we're making. And I think it's for the wrong reasons. It's like, I don't need her to be all up in my business. But right now we need to be all up in everybody's business so that we can have each other's back. And so are you willing to have a conversation? Maybe, and maybe it's not within the workplace. Maybe you don't fool with them jokers like that at your job. So maybe it's a friend that you have in a similar job who does a similar thing to you. And then ask, hey, how much are you making? Or you might have to trick them. Or you might have to Google it. Here's how you trick them. You'd be like, yo, did you max out on your 401k this year? What was your percentage and what People month did you get there? And then you work that. out the math. They don't know the math And then like you that. trap them. Yeah, that's in difficult. In the closet. That's difficult. And we can't be trapping people in closets. That's, okay, that's illegal. But okay, Google, just ask them. Google is always available. Oftentimes, um, companies will post how much they pay certain titles. Yeah. So yeah. look it up. So even if you just look up your job title and the state that you live in, oftentimes like it's, out, it's based on where you live and the number ain't your number, then you take that to HR and at least have them answer you. They might not immediately raise your pay on the spot, but at least have them explain why your pay is not the same and also ask is there anyone else on the on the same level as me who does make more than this and is it because of tenure like ask the questions but this is the time right now for us to not be as scared as we have been in the past i think in the past it's the black tax you just keep your mouth quiet i'm just going to work 
I don't want to cause no problems. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. The feathers have been ruffled. 2020 is the year of ruffle feathers. So now it's your time to walk in that. We've, we are having the conversations. People have been called out. So now walk in the lane of what's been prepared for us. Because I don't think it's going to last long. They're not going to be focusing on Black people too long. May I throw shade for a minute? Throw the shade, Alan. We've been long taught in corporate cultures not to talk about things like your pay. Like, keep that to yourself. That's a tool of perpetuating an income inequality, right? There's no harm in knowing what people in your pay band make. But if we're afraid to talk about it, if it's taboo, that's how these inequities exist for a long time. Shame on corporate America. Shame on corporate America and shame on us. And it's the time to at least have the conversation. I'm not saying that, again, you're going to walk into your job and get a $20,000 increase tomorrow, but you can put it on their radar that you are seeking income equality and it's time for them to do something about it. Other aspects that are part of the Black agenda that is being talked about, these are all things from the Biden-Harris website. Like these are things that, these are promises that were made. These are things that came up in politics during the election, during the debates. Uh, The next point is access to high quality education and tackling racial inequity in higher ed and in primary ed. Yeah, so this is a big one. I mean, this is a big one, but I think what's also happening currently is the, I don't even wanna say the resurgence of HBCUs because as an HBCU graduate, we've been dope. Like we've been on top in my mind. I think we're coming now more to the forefront, but the ability to, afford our education, whether it's at an HBCU, at an IV, at a PWI, that playing field is now starting to be leveled. HBCUs are like the, like for any company, any organization that wants to fund black education, they're going to HBCUs. Like HBCUs are about to be flush with scholarship dollars. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I know we've started to see a little bit of it already. I know a lot of money has been donated to Spelman, to Howard University, but I mean, and no shade to either one of them. Much love for both of those universities. But I, it needs to trickle down. There, there are tons of HBCUs. There are over 100 active HBCUs. And so it can't just be the five that y'all know, the top five that you can remember off the top of your heads. Like, I want these corporations to trickle that money down, or I want us to demand it. I want us at our HBCUs, at our relative HBCUs, to step up and start having conversations and saying, listen, who are we reaching out to for dollars, for donations, for money towards our endowment? And we've got to be willing to send our kids to these Mm. schools. And I'll tell you, most of the most successful Black people I know are HBCU grads. So I know there's a lot of folks acting like these institutions are no longer relevant or necessary, but I will tell you they are producing lots of successful leaders. Now, I don't know those folks. I, I do not have a group of people around me who do oh, not some ride haters. for oh, HBCUs. there's some HBCU haters out there. Um, so I don't know that. Where I've even had a lot of my friends, a lot of my black friends who went to PWIs now saying, yeah, I wish I'd have went to HBCU. Like, outside of the experience just being a really great, warm, and inviting experience, the education, the network that you get from it is clearly is clearly um, the bomb. And for me, it was just boosting my confidence. Facts. Like, I did not have to worry about fitting in. Like, I found my group, and that was very affirming. I got to see Black professors and Black business owners, and my world got bigger. I mean, people underestimate that simple fact that there's a lot of our Black students who spent their entire educational lives being taught systematically that we're inferior and by white people and have never seen never seen massive success of black people all in one area no but i think you bring up a great point like if you think about it for those who did not attend an hbcu you know 
is it ask yourself the question, have you been taught by white people all of your life about you and everything in this world has been taught to you by white people? Um, not to say that that's horrible, but as a black person, it is very meaningful to be taught and educated by someone who looks like you. A while back, we talked about the miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. And one of the biggest tools that was discussed in that book is the notion that we're not taught our history properly. Like we're taught in depth history on the ancient Greeks and Romans, but we don't learn about the African civilizations and kingdoms and and kings the way we should, and queens. And so when we talk about now's our time, specifically when we're talking about these um, these educational institutions, send your kids to HBCUs. Send your your athletes to HBCUs. Start, even if you did not attend an HBCU, send some of your dollars to an HBCU. This is the time to really build our institutions up. Again, after this four years, I don't know what's going to be in stake for us. This is our building block time. This is our time where we really, really grow our foundation. While they are supposedly having our back and throwing money towards us, we've got to support ourselves. Anything that you can do, if you have a local HBCU, do whatever you can do to support. I don't care if you went there or not. But again, send your kids there. Send your student athletes there. There are a lot of D1 athletes that are now taking back their commitment to PWIs and now committing to attend an HBCU. Now is our time. All of these major institutions of power are saying that they have our back. We're going to hold their feet to the fire, and we are going to run as fast as possible with what they are willing to give us, whether it's room, whether it's dollars, whether it's opportunities, whether it's a seat at the table. And we can't be playing around. Facts. So stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawthorne. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. So we are back. Yes. And we are talking about how it's our time. Black people, this is our time. This is our opportunity to make some progress in this race. Whatever your race is, this is the time where people are finally paying attention, where they are finally waking up. I don't know if I legitimately believe that they're going to do all the things that they say they're going to do and that they're going to be on board and, you know, care about us for, for years and years to come. But for right now, we're the hot ticket. So we need to step up in a variety of areas and show out and get whatever we can, make whatever progress we can, because four years from now, we don't know what it's going to be looking like. Opportunity doesn't knock. It just lays there. And in the first segment, we talked a ton about the Biden administration, some of the things that they've they've got planned as a part of their Black agenda. But there's already been some substantial commitments. Like, I know we talked about, you know, politics. Like, you don't know if this stuff is going to happen, if it's going to materialize, if it's going to pass the Senate, the House. But what we do know is that there's certain commitments that have already been made. The business environment today for black people is stronger than it's ever been. Now, don't get me wrong. We still have a lot of issues. There's not widespread entrepreneurship in our community. But corporate America has never embraced black people more than they have right now. Right. And so we see them investing in entrepreneurs. We see them investing in their employees, in their board memberships, in their executive teams. A lot of corporations have been called out, um, you know, in 2020 around what their, you know, what their website looks like. Who are their team members on their website? Are there any black people? Where are the black people of power? How do the black people in your company feel? What's the company culture like? You know, are you supporting black vendors? 
are you putting money back into the black community even when your primary consumer is a black person? And the answer oftentimes has been no. And so now they are stepping up, whether they're throwing money at it or not and are going to forget about it in the past. We're going to take the money that they're throwing. Black Lives Matter was a huge economic opportunity for black people. Corporations started writing big, big checks. Most of the money went to charity. Our black charities are rolling right now. Not all of them, but a lot of the the big name black charities, organizations like Color of Change, a lot of the Black Lives Matter organizations, the United Negro College Fund. A lot of these organizations have brought in record amounts of money. But the business community has also set aside dollars that really are supposed to be designed to help close that wealth gap. One area is venture capital. There's been a lot of talk about the dearth of capital that winds up in the hands of black founders. But we have companies like Andreessen Horowitz that just launched a $2 million fund to to invest in underrepresented founders. There's a venture capital firm, Matchstick Ventures. They've expressed a commitment to building new relationships with black founders. You have PayPal. You have Google, which launched a $100 million fund to be directed towards black-led VC firms. Another $50 million is going to be used to fund Grants for small businesses focused on the black community. PayPal, $530 million for black VC funds. I know one of my friends is one of the uh, beneficiaries. He started a fund, Zeal Capital Partners, and PayPal was a big investor. What I'm getting at is that we have a lot of dollars coming our way in the form of venture capital. And I think one of the things that we have to do or we have to get over is applying. I think there's always this they're not really going to give us that money or mm. it's not really earmarked for us or it's going to go to somebody else. To Alan's point, we do know somebody who applied and received this some of this money. You literally have to apply. Alan and I have applied for a number of things, especially throughout COVID and the CARES Act, where people were saying, you know, this ain't really for black people. And almost every single time we've been able to get the funding. Yeah. So we actually have to believe that it's our time and we have to apply. This isn't one of these situations where people are saying, hey, there's $100 million out there for startups. Yeah, those are the times where they're not really thinking about us, but they're not really checking for us. But if they are saying there's $100 million out there for black startups, for black entrepreneurs, and you want to sit home and be tight about an experience you had in the past, this ain't the time for that. This is the time to say, all right, they said it. Let me go ahead and apply. And let me tell everybody else I know who has an interest similar to mine to apply. Or you know what? I've had this idea for a very long time and I've been concerned about not having support because not only are they offering money, They're oftentimes offering resources. They're oftentimes offering access to things and technology that you would not have been able to have before. So if they are now putting this kid out here to help black people level up, take it right now while they're paying attention. I don't care if it's guilt or not. Like, I think sometimes people get caught up like, oh, they just feel bad. Let them feel bad. (laughs) Feel bad about it. You did it. Facts. Feel bad about it. We're calling you out on it. And if 2020 and potentially 2021 are the only two years where you're going to care enough to put something out there, we have to snatch it up. And this is not charity, by the way. Like, they might be doing this for, you know, recognition, but they also know that they will make a good return by investing money in Black entrepreneurs. There's, a, there's been a lot of successful Black startups that have done extremely well on a very limited amount of, of capital. I look at a company like Calendly. Calendly is one of the hot tech startups of today. Black-owned business. A lot of folks use Calendly. So what I'm getting at is that, yes, they are dedicating some money towards Black venture capital because this is an area that has been historically starved for capital, but it's not charity. 
you do have to step up and, and be prepared to receive the capital. You've got to incorporate. You have to, you know, invest in the business and the concept long far enough where a company might be willing to invest. It can't be at the notebook stage and you expect someone's going to give you a big million dollar check. Yeah. Earlier you mentioned reparations and we are all, you know, well deserving of reparations, but y'all think it's going to come in the form of a check that's going to be delivered to your house or like Ed like McMahon a big, a big is going to be knocking on your door. Six foot check. Right. With, with this big check. This might be what reparations starts to look like for us. Come Investing on. in the black community in an ownership perspective, because it was taken away from us so long ago, but now we have to be prepared to be owners or we have to be prepared again to to get involved in whatever capacity. And if it's not you, that's cool. You might be like, listen, that's not my calling. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not doing a startup. But what about your kids? What about people in your community? Mm -hmm. What about your spouse? Mm -hmm. Have they been sitting on an idea? Have they been working on something that y'all been hating on for a really long time? Wow. Well, there's money out there for them. There's resources out there for them. And I will tell you, these applications are often fairly simple. There isn't a large, a huge barrier for entry. Black. That's the barrier for entry, <laughs> right? Black and can put some sentences together. Oftentimes, they're not requiring a pro forma, which in the past, you needed these very elaborate business plans with pro formas and, you know, history of success and all these other things. In this moment, that's not the things that are being required in order to receive this funding and to receive this support and help. Take advantage of it. In addition to venture capital, there's also a lot of crowdfunding platforms that are popping up. Equity crowdfunding where you can bring in thousands of small investors and they can take an equity stake in the business and it's all legit. This was, an, uh, this was a gift from the Obama administration. The Jobs Act that he put out, it created an, an avenue for crowdfunding. And this avenue is, is available for black businesses to be funded, not by the big VC funds, but by large groups of black investors. Oftentimes we hear people look for angel investors. They're looking for some person to pop out of the sky and write a million dollar check in order to um, launch their their business or their startup. That isn't really common. That's not really happening out here, especially for black people. But getting a, a ton of black people to give you a little bit, I think that's in our history. Like yeah. that's in our DNA to contribute a little bit of what we got. We might not have a lot, but we'll give you a little bit. And a lot of little bits gets you a lot. In order to launch something meaningful and everybody can say, listen, I got a little bit of equity. I was a part of that. You know, I, I help I help push that forward. You know, again, I have some ownership in this thing and it's growing. You know, we did that together. And it's not charity. There's a lot of startups that will go on to create a tremendous amount of wealth for the founders, but also for the investors. And so there are chances for us, even if we're not the entrepreneur, there's chances for us to get involved as investors in these black crowdfunding platforms. A friend of mine in Michigan, Erica Hall, she just launched flowcrowdfunding.com. It's like, this is where we are today. It's not that difficult to create these tech-enabled crowdfunding platforms where it's a marketplace for entrepreneurs who need capital and investors who've got cash that needs a home and needs a return. There are other platforms called like buytheblock.com. Rise, Fund, and Go. There's bbnomics.com, so bbnomics.com. There's also fundblackfounders.com. I don't know how more plain it can get, but yeah. fundblackfounders.com. Oftentimes, especially this year, right, everyone's been telling the story about Nas, how Nas invested, you know, a, a nominal amount for him, a nominal amount into Ring. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the doorbell, you press it, it's on your phone, camera, all of that. 
And when it went public, he made literally like, I think, $50 million off of a like six-figure investment. So maybe he put in $400,000 and ended up with $40 million, something of the like. Y'all don't have, uh, you know, six figures to to contribute. A lot of us don't. And if you don't, that does not mean that we still can't launch a ring. We still can't launch a black tech company. We still can't be contributors. We still can't be equity owners. It just means that one, we've got to find the tech platforms that will allow us to contribute to us. And then two, support them with some of these other corporate funded programs, these corporate VC, the Googles and the PayPals that are pledging all this money to black founders so that they can really take off and they can really grow. We also see a ton of money flowing into black banks and credit unions. Netflix made huge waves earlier this year when they announced that they were going to take $100 million out of their cash holdings and put them in and put the money in 30 different banks that are serving black communities and black owned banks. Like we don't have a billion dollar bank today, but we're on the verge of it. Like there's internet banks, there's black banks that have now formed enough capital where we can start to make loans to ourselves. And like that is one of the critical things that's been missing historically. In addition to this bank black movement, there's also funding that's gone into CDFIs, which are community development financial institutions, which are community banks. These are organizations that really will loan to the neighborhood business owner in a way that a big bank might not feel comfortable. So I'm going to take you back to Netflix really quick. You talked about the money that Netflix is willing to support in the community, but I'm also going to talk about the content. Netflix has made promises around supporting Black content, around finding more Black directors, putting more Black movies and TV shows and giving them more opportunities. If you are a Black content producer, if you've got a show, if you've got a background in film, if you've been working towards getting distribution, Netflix is now specifically looking for Black people so they can show up and show this content more on their platform. They know Black people love some Netflix. We love some Netflix and chill. They are now making an effort to say, where are the Black people at? We can fund your film. We can fund your television show. That's huge. It is your time. Again, don't be playing around with, I don't really know nobody at Netflix. You know what's funny? You'll meet somebody and they'll be like, yeah, I work at Netflix. Now you're like, oh, I got it in. That's the plug. (laughs) They're going to hook me up. Doesn't matter that they work in janitorial services or they work in the kitchen. You swear they're going to slide your film under somebody's office door and you about to blow up. Instead of them saying, we are looking for you, show up, fill out the application or go to our website, go to whatever platform we've created to put your information in so that we can now pay attention. All I'm saying is this. I don't know how to tell you exactly how to make a film, but if you're already interested in making films, there's now well-funded organizations that are looking for you. When has this ever happened before? Facts, right? Who are bold enough to even use the term black. White people just started calling us black. They've been calling us African-Americans behind closed doors. (laughs) They've been calling us colors. You know, they are now actually, corporations and people are now actually using the term black. They are being bold enough to say it and they are calling us out and saying, hey, black people, we want you. I don't know how long they're going to want us, so we absolutely have to show up now This is our time. We've got to show in every area where they say, listen, we're trying to do right. We're trying to do better. Hold, show up. 
Show up, go to their website, see what it is. To Alan's point, are we contributing as investors? Are we launching our company? Are we applying for this VC money? Are we taking out a loan? Black people, we haven't been able to get loans for a long time. Or when we do, it's very, very difficult. You know, now they are creating programs that are making it easier for black people to get these loans. Please don't think this is going to be a forever thing. This is a trend. This is a fad. Go ahead. Like, do it now. Now is our time. We're going to continue to talk about the things that we got to focus on, the things that we have to take advantage of right now before this time passes. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. We are back, and we have been talking about it is our time. And that opportunity doesn't knock. Yeah, 100%. Like, again, this has been a tough year for all of us, but it's damn sure been a tough year for Black people. And I think that other groups are now starting to recognize that, and so they are trying to do better by us, or they're at least saying that they're trying to do better by us. And a lot of them are putting their money where their mouth is. They are putting resources out there. They are creating these affinity programs that are specifically for Black people, calling for Black people. And it is our time to actually take advantage of these opportunities that are being presented because this is not going to last long. And may I just say that they've been whooping our ass for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) The police have been whooping our ass. They killed Brother George Floyd, who was a beautiful man. They killed Breonna Taylor. But these things aren't going to stop happening, right? So I don't even want us to start to believe that because Google gave $100 million, like the injustice is going to stop. The injustice is going to continue, unfortunately, and it's just going to take a long time to work on that. We are doing all the things that we can do in those spaces. But we are talking about in our corporate spaces, in our entrepreneurial spaces, in our financial spaces, in our ownership spaces. This is where progress is made for Black people. Like these are the areas where on an individual level, we need to see progress. We need to see growth that we've been lacking or we've been held back for so long. And here's our opportunity to catch up a little bit. Not only catch up, but advance forward. Facts. So before the break, we were talking about Netflix and how they've set some dollars aside to invest in Black content. There's other companies doing the same thing in the creative space. So, for example, Etsy. Etsy has created a landing page for Black creators and their products on their website. So they have a special affinity page if you are looking to support Black, um, you know, crafters. Listen, Black people can make some stuff. We all sure right? can. We will make... My mother will make you some drapes. We make some... In a heartbeat. We got some okay? unique masks we that we've designed. a jar and some fabric. You know, it's a number of things that we will make. And there's a lot of people looking for, you know, literally you can find anything. I've bought everything from gloves. On um, Etsy? Mm-hmm. I bought some some gloves on Etsy. I've had things custom made, patches custom made. Listen, you can find anything on Etsy. And if patches? You, patches, like to put on a coat. Mm. Like a patch. Like for style purposes. Yes. For you want to walk around here with holes in your coat. First of all, it's none of your business if I want <laughs> And if I put a patch over it. It served its purpose. Eye patch? No, not an eye patch. Slick Rick? No, even though Slick Rick, the ruler, is wonderful. He's one of my favorite rappers of all time, by the way. Uh, He's so slept on. Slick Rick was dope. No one's sleeping on Slick Rick. Um, Listen, if we have these things, all of us are interested in something being custom made, something being made by a black person. You'll go to a festival and a fair and a heartbeat, buy some incense from somebody you don't know just because they're black. Go to Etsy. And Etsy, again, has created a special landing page specifically so that people can make sure they are buying with Black people and so that Black people 
and their products can be featured. If you make stuff in your neighborhood and everybody knows about it, put it on Etsy and make sure it's featured and highlighted as a black owned situation so that it can be pushed to the forefront on this major global website. Facebook also, they've set aside $25 million to support the creation of black content. That's a big platform and that's a lot of dough. Yeah, no facts. Like if you can not only get money from Facebook, but also be featured on Facebook, that's a big deal. I don't know what content you're pushing. You know, we think about Issa Rae, right? Issa Rae, for me, I found out about Issa Rae on Facebook. Mm. You know, the awkward black girl, her little posts on Facebook and seeing them over and over and over again until she got picked up by somebody and was able to create long form content. It's a lot of Issa Rays out here. It's a lot of y'all. I see y'all on Instagram that come up with really great creative content. It's not featured anywhere. No one's putting any money behind you. They're not giving you a platform to really make your joint public. Facebook is doing that. And if you're in gaming, there's augmented reality companies like Niantic, which is donating all the proceeds from Pokemon Go Fest 2020. I'm sure, Tiffany, you're a big player of Pokemon Go Fest. All the money from this video game is going to fund black game creators. That's big. Yeah, and I think oftentimes black kids, right, are quick to get disciplined for playing too many video games. Are you always on that video game? Or you're not paying attention to your schoolwork. They working on their craft. Yeah, no, seriously. They're I about think, to come up. No, just taking, like, parents for a second, just go with me. And I'm, I don't play a single video game. I don't know what to tell you. Um, except Sonic. I can get busy on Sonic. But, like, creating video games, coding and all that, that is a multi-million dollar business. Yes. Your child can make a lot of money if that's something that they really want to pursue and are able to take seriously. And maybe they shouldn't be disciplined so much. Yes, they have other things to do when there has to be balance. But if you really see your child have a creative interest in video games, talk to them about it and see how far do you want to take this? Or are you just on here getting on my nerves, you know, running this game up? But is there an opportunity for them to really make money in it? And if so, look up these opportunities that these gaming companies, Pokemon and whoever else, Riot Games, I know is also putting like $10 million around video game founders. Put something out there for them. I know we were talking probably a year ago about some sort of contest, like a video game contest. And the winner was like a 13-year-old kid who won a million dollars. Wow. Like just playing the video game. His parents can't say anything to him. <laughs> right, right. He tells his dad to go to bed no now. No facts. No <laughs> facts. And again, I don't, I, I don't know how far this is going to go. But I do know in every industry right now that's happening, there is somebody, there is some major corporation identifying that they have not done enough by black people. And it is our opportunity to get our money up to get our awareness up, to get our publicity up, and to really launch something that's going to be meaningful to us from a financial perspective or from a legacy perspective long-term. What about beauty products? Listen. Are you familiar with Glossier? Is that one of your... (laughs) Did I say it right? You said it right. (laughs) Glossier? (laughs) Well, either way, these jokers have set aside (laughs) a half a million dollars for grants for Black-owned beauty businesses. All right, so we can stop right there. It's, it's Listen, it's plenty of Black women out there mixing an avocado with an egg and some oil in a blender. In the kitchen, in we're the switching ki- like a oh, stir-fry. No, <laughs> Lord. But Black people, we've been making our own hair products for sure the longest. Have. And so if... And it looks bomb. <laughs> but if there are now beauty companies out there saying, listen... We are willing to contribute to the production of your products and the promotion of your products. Go on and take that money. It doesn't matter if the only people who buy it is your mother and your sister. Listen, it's an opportunity to grow something big. We all know when it comes to beauty and black, 
We do that, okay? We're going to buy the flat iron. We're going to buy the hair, the bundle. We're going to get the new conditioner. If it's a new, you know, styling gel. Is there a special finger wave uh, concoction that one of my sisters might create? Listen. Either way, you can get a grant for it. But no, not even trying to be funny. I think Black people, we know for a fact we are very complex in that we're not just one-sided. We're not, we, we are multifaceted. And so we are in all of these industries, whether white people acknowledge it or not, or whether we talk about it or not. We are literally, there, there is somebody from the Black community who has a major presence in every one of these industries. They just have not been paid attention to, or no one has given them the opportunity. Black people in beauty, we have driven the beauty industry, period, forever. So if there is a company out there who is saying, I'm going to contribute to the production of that for you to be able to create your Black-owned brand, let them do that. Sephora. Sephora has taken the pledge. It's called a 15% pledge. And so that means that 15% of their shelf space will go towards Black-owned products. Now, that's huge. That's huge. That's huge. And a lot of other companies have taken this 15% pledge. I think that's the actual name of the website. I think the website is 15% pledge. And you can see all the major companies that are making this commitment. But Sephora specifically, Black people, ladies, we are, we are tearing these Sephora shelves up. We are buying anything, anytime a Fenty, anytime a pattern, anytime anything hits the shelves at Sephora where the first one is in there. Blue Magic hair what? grease? What? Nobody, Blue Magic. That's I mean, that's at, a popular hair that's grease. That's at Target, Walmart. Blue Magic's been doing me right for a long time. You could just, don't they just give you a free jar of Blue Magic at the barbershop? <laughs> Yo, I have so much Blue Magic at the crib Why? right now. It's Why do crazy. You have more than one. I stockpile it for fear that it will go away. Really? Yeah. It hasn't gone it's away never going at all. Away. Who was who the manufacturer of Blue Magic, first of all? I think they just give you a free, a free jar it, at the barbershop, I think no? it comes from the ground. I think it's like a natural resource at It this comes point. from the ground, possibly, <laughs> you and, you're, and you're stockpiling it, clearly. <laughs> but, again, you they, never know. these industries are now making it their business to have Black-owned businesses, have Black-owned products on their shelves. And, I'm, honestly, a lot of times people are making the excuses, I just can't find a Black-owned company. I just can't find a black executive. I just, you know, I can't find a black vendor. And so, you know, that's why we haven't done it in the past. That's a lie. But even if it is, let's get in their faces. Let's create our companies. Let's launch our products so that there is no way that they can make the excuse that they couldn't find. Not only are we going to launch it, then we're going to reach out. We're going to go to the website. We're going to hit them on social media. We're going to fill out the application so they cannot make the excuse any longer. Again, we're going to start the Instagram. We're going to tag them on the Instagram and have our friends tag them. And we're going to say, hey, we are here. You're looking for us. While you are looking for us, we are here. Because I'm telling y'all, in the next three years, they will not be looking for us. Three years from now, if you didn't take advantage of the opportunity, mm-hmm. if you didn't make it happen, you're going. it's going to go cold. No one's going to be paying attention to us anymore. It's some other group that people are going to be focusing on, and it ain't going to be us. So this literally is our time to take advantage of everything that these people have been saying, everything they've been throwing money at. Let this guilt money ride. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. Let these guilty opportunities ride. I will personally tell you, I made a commitment probably six months ago where I decided that I wanted to sit on more corporate boards. As these organizations were saying, we want more diversity on our corporate boards. We need more Black people. We black need, women. We, right. We need more black women on our corporate boards. And I mean the major ones, the H&Ms, the Targets, the things of that nature, the Gucci. I decided that's something that I want. You want to give out these token seats? 
I want to sit in them. Bet money, you will definitely be held to the fire of what comes with having a black person on your board. We will ask the questions. We will bring up the topics that matter to us. We will make sure the black consumer, the black vendor is heard and is considered. And I think that's the way all of us really need to be thinking. If they are saying, listen, bring us the blacks, show up. Yeah. Show up and show out. Don't just sit up there and sit in that seat and not make change and not have a purpose. Like we are going to take this money and we're going to do something with it. We're going to create wealth. We're going to create opportunities. We're going to do more for our community. This is not just about you and your bank account, even though we believe that these things will really fuel your bank account and the bank accounts of your family to come. But it is so that we have greater presence in our in all these public spaces and especially in our own community. A long time ago, I heard the phrase that luck is where preparation meets opportunity. The opportunity is knocking so loud, it's deafening. We've got to be prepared. We can't just show up like, hey, I heard they was giving out (laughs) board seats. Right. Like, we got to show up and be prepared, and then we will get lucky, right? And this is a time for us to create our own luck, and it's out there. There's companies that are dying for you. They are dying for you to work for them. They want to promote you in management. They want to lend money to your business. They want to give you grants. They want to give you shelf space. This is our time and the opportunity doesn't knock. It just lays there. So we're going to continue this conversation next week. We're going to talk more about the specific opportunities that are out there. We're going to talk about the companies that are putting money out there, where to find it. So please come back next week. We're going to get more in detail again about these companies, about these strategies. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And with Momentum Advisors. Momentum.